This is the official radio home of the Chicago Cubs. Listen to every game here on Sports Radio 670 The Score and the Odyssey app. Hamp hits a drive into right center field. Back goes Kane. That ball is going to be off the wall. Live from the Hyundai Studios. Presented to you by your local Hyundai dealers. We are WSCR and HD Chicago. WBMX HD2 Chicago. In Odyssey Station. The Score! score! Top of the hour is being brought to you by DuckDuckGo. Privacy simplified, and this hour is being brought to you by Menards. Save big money at Menards. Ray, let's go. Lawrence Holmes, noon to 2, on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com in Odyssey Station. Russell Dorsey, national MLB insider for Bally Sports and Stadium. President Jed Hoyer always talks about you know who's going to be a part of that next great Cubs team. They think Seiya Suzuki is going to be a big part of that. A guy who is really turned into a stud and could likely be an MVP candidate, Luis Robert, has all the tools, the power, the speed. Host of the rally on Bally Sports. If you could ban something from sports for 10 years, what would it be? I would say the wave. It's a bit too much. Co-host of the Sports Adjacent Podcast. I don't let it get to that point where I have a thousand unread emails. I have 277 right now. You have bodies in your house, bro. Russell Dorsey. What's up, Russell? With Lawrence Holmes on 670 The Score. I've got like 10,000 of them. I've just given up. Like on my Yahoo account, like I've just given up. Like you, you try to opt out of all this stuff and you just can't. And then I was watching John Oliver talk about data breaches and stuff. And I'm like, I, I, just, I got no shot at, at cleaning all that stuff out. So, yes, I have a lot of bodies, too. Russ joins me on the Circa Resort and Casino Hotline. Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. Russ, sir, how are you? Mr. Holmes, uh, I'm one, I'm honored to talk to you two days in a row. Uh, two, what a fine intro on my first of weekly hits with you here on your show. One, I very uh, I appreciate it very much, and uh, you're too kind. No, that's all Ray. Like, I want to give the credit where the credit is due. And Ray is now, with the last two guests, like, they've gotten the treatment. James Fegan and Russ Dorsey, they both approve. So that's a big thumbs up to Ray Diaz and his production skills. Uh, Ray, well, shout out to you, my friend. Yes, he's a good man and thorough. So are you in the press box or are you on the field over at 35th? I am currently, just for you, I found a nice, quiet place in the back of the press box because I wanted you and your listeners to have pristine audio on my phone. Well, you, you, you know how I feel about that, so I'm glad that, that you, were, you took that into account. What's it been like over there today with opening day kicking off of the South Side Nine? Excitement. Excitement. I think if you look on uh, the socials, Sox fans are very excited for what they expect to be a big year uh, for the good guys here on the South Side. And the thing you talked to Rickon today and Tony Russa, they're very excited. Obviously, there's been some things, some bumps in the road in this first week or so, especially with injuries to, you know, two mainstays in your rotation that you want to have back sooner rather than later. Uh, Lucas will obviously be back before Lance Lynn, but uh, I think that that doesn't take away from a lot of the excitement. What you saw from Andrew Vaughn in Detroit, a guy who they should be very excited about and are very excited about. And Tony Russo talked about it today. Andrew Vaughn's not a part-time player. He's not a platoon player. And so I think we'll have to uh, see how that plays out and see how, what these lineups look like every night. But It's interesting, that, it's interesting going, Russ, that he would say that, and then Vaughn's yeah. not in the lineup today. 
Correct. Right. <laughs> right. And so uh, coming off of that big weekend, you would think he'd be in the lineup. We'll see what tomorrow's lineup looks like. I would be shocked if he's not back in there. But, uh, yeah, there's a lot of things to be excited about here on the South Side. So, okay, I want to ask you something that I've been discussing with baseball people over the last couple of days, Russ, and it has to Mm -hmm. do with the preparation to get ready for this season and last season and the season before that and how difficult that's been on on players. You've talked to players all over Major League Baseball. I know that you spent some time out in Arizona talking to, to different teams. How rough has this been for players and their bodies over the last three seasons because the last three off-seasons have been odd and out of place? I think from a preparation standpoint, players would like to tell you, oh, it's baseball, they tell us when, where, and we'll be ready. The body doesn't work like that. And when you are in a routine-based sport like baseball is, especially for pitchers, and you've seen pitchers dropping all over Major League Baseball, that six weeks of spring training, yes, it's long, it's tedious, and sometimes you feel like it's too long, but it's needed because when you go, guys can't get their bodies ready for a seven, eight-month season in three, four weeks. It just doesn't work that way. And so I think with you know COVID year, um, summer camp a couple years ago, and the weird uh, spring both this year and last year, I, I think players haven't really had a true off season since 2019. I think this off the off season this spring, especially like for pitchers. How do you prepare if your team to get 1,500 uh, innings from guys when guys aren't in shape, when guys aren't ready to go out there and give you five and six innings yet? Uh, it's tough, and now you're seeing some of the effects of that with guys going down, pitchers going down all over Major League Baseball. How worried are you that this is going to be a trend that we see throughout the entire season? Very, very, and I think we're not through the second week of the season. And, and like, look at the Mets. Three co- three fifths of their rotation <laughs> has gotten hurt already. Um, it, that's tough, and I think they're going to be more to come because y- you got guys trying to get ready for a season during the season. It's not supposed to work that way. So I think we're, normally in a baseball season, you have a lot of guys that contribute. I think that number grows. Um, ro- rosters are going to go back down to twenty six on May second. So I think at that point, you're, you're going to see a lot of different transactions of guys in and out of uh, rosters, in and out of spots. But I think you're going to have a lot of guys, um, you know, that, that do make appearances for the White Sox or the Cubs or other teams around Major League Baseball because you're going to need innings. You're going to need arms because guys are going to continue to go down as the season goes along. I, I want to get White Sox specific with you, but before I do mm-hmm. that, and we're talking with Russ Dorsey, who is the MLB insider for Bally Sports, host of stadium. The young man is out here just doing good. And one of the hosts of the sports adjacent podcast. What do you think of the American league central outside of the white Sox? I think that it is very talented, right? And, and a lot of that happened recently with the acquisition of Carlos Correa by, by the twins, but it's not going to be a division. It's not going to be the dog that it had been the last couple of years. That team up in Minnesota, they're going to hit the ball out of the ballpark. They're going to score a lot of runs. If Byron Buxton stays healthy, I picked him to be American League MVP. And then you have protection for a guy like Carlos Correa. They added Gary Sanchez as well. That, that's a really talented roster. You look up in Detroit, Javi Baez hitting homers at his neck, right? Like the things that made Javi so special here in Chicago, he's doing it up in Detroit with a young roster, but a really good mix of both young and veteran players. 
uh, Spencer Torkelson, who I think is going to be a stud. You look at what Cleveland's doing, what the Guardians are doing. Like They're not just going to roll over and die. And There's always been an organization that develops good young pitching. And even in the Royals down in Kansas City, Bobby Wood Jr. is going to be a really good player for a long time. It's a talented division. It might not be as top-heavy as the American League East, but there are talented players in it, and every night the White Sox are going to have to go out there and earn it. I'm glad that you brought that up because that's kind of how I feel, where they they were able to run away and hide from this division, and, and it, mm-hmm. they, got, they got it at the right time. Like Their timeline matched up really well with – the other teams crumbling like Cleveland starting to sell off and Minnesota being at the end of one window and trying to open up another. I I am concerned because most white Sox fans are are like this. We are pessimistic for some reason. Uh, You're always waiting for the other shoe to drop when it comes to the other teams in the division. I think the white Sox are clearly the best and most complete team in the American league central. But I do wonder if, this year, games or series that they would have easily won last year, they might have a more difficult time winning this year because of, of, of modest improvements by each of the teams in the division. I agree. And, like, let's say the Twins play well out the gate and they go get a starting pitcher. Now you really have to, you know, be concerned about the Minnesota Twins, right? Uh they're, they're, I, I just think the White Sox have to stay healthy. That's been, the, to me, the biggest hurdle – from this team going from good to great. It's always been health, right? Whether it's Yohan Mankata during his tenure being in and out of the lineup, Aloy being in and out of the lineup, Luis Robert missing a lot of time and then having to come back uh, and get into the mix. And now with this year, you have the starting rotation. You need Lucas Giolito to be at that all-star front of the rotation caliber. You need Lance Lynn to be who he was last year and show that he could be you know, right next to Lucas. You need Dallas Keuchel to pitch like the pitcher that they expected when they brought him in from Houston. Like, you need that to happen. If this team can stay healthy, there's a lot of reason to believe that they can be the team that they want to be in the American League. But even outside of the AL Central, there are a lot of really good teams out there. You look at what the Toronto Blue Jays have put together, that's a scary team. The team the White Sox are playing here on open day, the Seattle Mariners, are a team I'm really high on. They won 90 games last year and missed the postseason. So, there are a lot of talented rosters out there, not just the White Sox. So they have to get healthy. They have to get healthy relatively quickly. And if they can stay healthy for a, a extended amount of time, it's going to be a really special summer on the South Side. What did you take away from the conversations today with Rick Hahn and Tony La Russa? I think they understand. Uh, it was a lot of health talk, uh, and, and there should be. You know, I think they understood, like a lot of teams around Major League Baseball, that this was going to be, you know, help was going to be tested early, right? They, they feel like they had a, a good grasp on, on their depth in, you know, AAA, bringing up a guy like Jimmy Lambert who can, who's going to be making a start in Lucas Giolito's place that Rick Hahn and Tony said today. They feel like they understood where they were and they feel like they have a good plan going forward and how to deal with some of those things. And um, they reiterated the fact that, you know, Andrew Vaughn is, is a guy that they want to build with and not subtract from this roster to go find other things. I know there was a rumor out there, and uh, Rick Hani said thank you to everybody who, who didn't check in on, on that rumor yesterday. But uh, I, I think they, they believe they have a complete roster, like you said. They feel like they have um, made all the moves to not only be competitive, but to be a winner uh, here on the South Side. But like I mentioned this, during this whole hit, health is so important. 
Yohan Mankata is really important to this lineup, right? You think what he does in the middle of that order, getting it from, you know, the middle, in the upper part of the lineup to the middle, like it's really important to have that, that bat from both sides of the plate. If you don't have that, and who knows how long it'll take to get that oblique right, you know, then you have to start mixing and matching. But I think, I think they realize how good they can be. Now it's just going out there and doing it. I, I wonder how the, I mean, I, I get like how the, the Vaughn stuff would, would start. You go, here's a player that might not be playing every day. He's mm-hmm. got a lot of potential. And, and for me, the White Sox do need to think about, hey, man, we can win the World Series right now with the right moves. So the, the risk-reward of here's a player that you might regret giving up because it turns into, well, we can use the Marlins, right? Like he turns into Christian Yelich. And, and, yeah. and you've given yeah. away two MVPs in Stanton and Yelich. But if you end up with a World Series, isn't it worth it? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I think you look at it, the situation that Andrew Vaughn's in, it, it's kind of like where the Mets are with Dom Smith. I think Dom Smith is a fantastic player and deserves to be a full-time player somewhere. It's just the Mets, he and the Mets haven't found that right fit. The Mets feel like they should keep him. Um, and until that time comes where they, they find a trade partner for him um, or decide he should play every day in New York, he's going to be in this kind of everyday platoon role. I think that's where Andrew Vaughn is. You don't look at the number three overall pick in the trap as a platoon player, but until a spot opens up regularly, you know, whether that means Jose Abreu retiring or, or um, them making a move that make him a full-time outfielder, and then you you don't have those concerns, you know. When AJ Pollock comes back, at bats are going to go away, so you're going to have to figure out the situation with the DH spot. Like I think it's really good that you can DH Yasmani Grandal and then have Reese McGuire, who's a far better defender in the lineup. You've seen it already um, save runs in that way, and that's been a big concern <laughs> since Yaz has gotten here, like the ability to to save runs defensively. So they have some things to figure out. It's early. I. There's some time, but you, it is something that it, I think should be a storyline throughout the season for the White Sox. Now, Russ, I know that you're you're a guy that likes to get your curls in and stuff before you you head outside. <laughs> you know, you guys show yeah. show off the work that you've been putting in for years. When you travel to these different ballparks, are you a food guy or a no food guy? Oh man, it depends on what the ballpark is, right? I feel like I'm spoiled. I've grown up in this city. Uh, my dad's a Sox fan, so I was at this ballpark a lot as a kid. Um, and so the, the smell of grilled onions, it's, it's, it's nostalgia. It brings back so many different memories. If I'm in San Francisco, how can you not get garlic fries? You know what I'm saying? No, I'm, I'm with you. I, I think that that's part of the ballpark experience. But see, now that you're an MLB Bigfoot, like now, you know, like I, I wonder if I, I, I'm producing a segment now for Bally's. Like in my mind, I'm like, you know, Russ takes you around MLB's cuisine or something, you know, where mm. where, where you, you test out the best thing at each and every ballpark. So so let me ask you outside. Let's let's take the two ballparks that you were primarily at out of it. What's the best dish that you've had in a ballpark in MLB? Oh, man. Whew. So down in Texas, I took a trip with some friends uh, to the old ballpark, the old Globe Life, um, down in Arlington. And they call it the Boomstick, back when Nelson Cruz was still playing down there. It is a yard-long hot dog 
You can get anything you want on it. You can get chili and cheese. They also make it like a Philly cheesesteak style. Um, <laughs> it took three 20-year-olds to take that thing down. It was so good uh, and so filling. But, like, you look around ballparks, teams are coming up with this crazy food that is delicious and also terrible for you, but it tastes so good. <laughs> you, you have to allow yourself to indulge. And like you said it, I'm working out all the time, like, but I used to be a, a chubby kid, Lawrence. And so sometimes when I smell this food, it takes me back to, to, to chubby boy days. You have to get get the Huskies, Husky gear. Yeah, yeah. listen, I was, I was definitely Husky section of JCPenney um, back in the day. It's a good thing, man. It's a good thing. Uh, before I let you go, what do you think your, your, guy, your guys, Jed and Rossi, are putting together over on the north side? A team that's competitive, right? I think it's a team that will go out there and they're not going to roll over. I think what you saw the second half of last season was a team – I think Jed talked about it at the deadline. You, you don't want to let a crisis go to waste. They knew what they had to do. They traded their stars in Bryant, Rizzo, and Baez. They got back a, a lot of prospect capital. So now you're seeing, you know, after a, an offseason where you bring in some starting pitching, so it's not just Kyle Hendricks trying to do it by himself. And they've also been hit by the injury bug in their rotation. Competitive baseball. I think that's what Cubs fans should expect out of this team. It might not be the team that you've seen over the last five and six years. You're not going to have those huge names in there. But there's things to be excited about. I think Brennan Davis is going to be up at some point this season. And Cubs fans should be really excited about what that guy is, similar to what you know, what, what it was on the south side when like Aloy came up, when Yohan Mankata finally came up, when Andrew Vaughn finally came up. Like This is going to be a guy that should be in that Cubs lineup for a long time should things go well. Russ, I'm really looking forward to having you once a week to talk baseball with, man. It's, I, I mean, I, I tell you this all the time. You know I'm like your biggest fan, but seeing the level of success that you've had and the meteoric rise that is happening for a Russ Dorsey, man, it is inspiring. So, so being able to, to be on this ride with you I think is great. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. There is nowhere I would rather be on Wednesdays at 1 this season. Well, that's a lie, and um, (laughs) if anyone has been listening to the Sports Adjacent podcast, there are plenty of places that you'd rather be. Stop it. This is a family show, Lawrence. That's true, and and your people are probably listening (laughs) to it. My family is (laughs) listening. Hi, Mom. Hi, Dad. Thanks, Lawrence. I appreciate it. Hang up. My bad. That's Russ Dorsey. (laughs) You can check him out on Valley Sports, and you can check him out on Stadium Network hosting the rally. He's tremendous. Tremendous, and he's still... He's still a kid. Like it's when they say the boy got his own money, the boy got his own money. It's very, very exciting. Before I started the show, I was in transition with Dan, and I realized because Ray was off yesterday. Ray was doing Ray stuff, so we didn't talk about like he's like everything's taken care of. Cody's on the show, Russ is on the show. I forgot about top five because it's Tuesday. So Dan said we should do an impromptu top five. And I like his suggestion. His suggestion was top five fast food side orders. So when we come back, I'm going to give you my top five side pieces. Next, here on The Score. Lawrence Holmes, noon to two on Sports Radio 670 The Score. And 670thescore.com. And Odyssey Station. Five, one, two, three, four, five. 
Top 5 Tuesdays on the Lawrence Holmes Show. But since the day is Tuesday, it doesn't matter in the slightest. Top 5 Tuesdays. I've only seen a couple, but that's definitely top 5. Is it Tuesday? Can't you ask me an intelligent question? Is this the Lawrence Holmes Show? You damn shit! Then it's Top 5 Tuesdays on the Lawrence Holmes Show. Got it? Good. So... I had forgotten to put together a top five, so my teammate Dan Bernstein helped me out. He said, why don't you just do an impromptu one? Now, ordinarily, what we like to do is I like to get the list to Ray. Ray comes up with great sound bites to go with my top five. We don't have time for that. Ray's out here running the show by himself, so he's not here for any of my foolishness. But there is a top five that Bernstein suggested, and I'm going to roll with it. I wrote mine down. I wrote down two different lists, and then during breaks, and then I, I scratched out a couple things and moved some stuff, and I think that I've got my top five list of fast food side orders. Point of order, I usually get nuggets as a side. Is Campy back there? Rick, Rick Camp, I need a ruling. One of the hosts of the I'm Fat podcast, one of the scores. Premier food people. I need a ruling on this. And the question is, can nuggets be considered a side? Like, for example, my order at Wendy's is a double stack with cheese plain, 10 nuggets, and order of fries. So are nuggets a side order? They are a side order in that instance. Hmm. Dang it. I should have asked this before I put the list together. Because I do eat them as a side. Right, because before they changed their fries recently uh, at at Wendy's, like, that's kind of what I would do. Huh. Is because their fries weren't worth it. They're worth it now, by the way. But, yeah, chicken nuggets as the side order, that's the move. Okay, well, I screwed it up because I don't have them on my top five. But now that I got a ruling for the next time we do this, I now know. All right. He's got to work through this because I was I was expecting him to say no because they have their own position that comes with sides. But I defer to Rick Camp because Campy knows. Campy, wait, I know you're working. One more thing because you got mentioned inside of the tweet thread here. And that's because what had happened was, was, Kansas City now has a pulled barbecue pork sandwich, but it has Reese's peanut butter cups on it. No. Okay. That's all I need it. That's all I need it. No. It's a really terrible idea. Yes. Yeah. I, I like both those things. It's just not together. I, don't. I know. You've got the thing against peanut butter. Yes. Being correct about it. <laughs> wow. Wow. Being correct about peanut butter. Peanut butter is great. Dip your chocolate into the peanut butter and dip your peanut butter into the chocolate. It's great. Dip your peanut butter into the trash. That's what Rick Camp does. But he's right, though. Pulled pork sandwich with peanut butter cups is a terrible mistake. All right. Now I'll get to the top five. I I didn't revise my top five. I kept it a hundred. I kept it a buck. Number five. Browns mushrooms the, ray you give me props on this I one i give you props on that one man that I, I love mushrooms and the browns fried mushrooms it's been a minute since i've had them 
Yeah, this is a question. Do you even eat fast food? I do. Now, I was vegan for many years. Now I'm vegetarian. Okay. I know most people are going to be like, yeah, what's the difference? Uh, You still don't eat meat, whatever. But, you know, I, I have eaten fast food because there's been a lot of options you can get as a person who doesn't eat meat. You know, various places have sandwiches you could get, all that. But the sides are typically vegan. Now, there's some parsing to be done as to whether, okay, is the do you cook the meat in the same oil as the fries, whatever. I never really cared about any of that. Okay. So, yeah, I, I participated. Uh, my effort to, to try to be healthier, I probably uh, set myself back a little bit by that, that decision. But whatever. I can't let go of certain things like, like fries. But, hey, that, that, that first pick there on your list, Lawrence, the fried mushrooms at browns at man Browns, man i'll get a half those, pound and just ooh. go to work on now those that, that is a great choice right there in my opinion they're not enough browns chickens around i think the closest one to me is either the one on 95th or the one on like a 111th in kedzie or something or pulaski but it's worth it like sometimes like i'll go see my parents and i just make the route back home so that I happened to have run into a Browns chicken so I could get myself some mushrooms. So that had to be on my list. That is number five. Number four. This is a bit of a changeup. The Cinnabon Delights from Taco Bell. They're, they're on the breakfast menu. I don't know if they serve them all day. But, you know, I enjoy my sweets. And this kind of gives you a, a churro-type feel. I will say that I'm I'm mad at Taco Bell because they got rid of the caramel apple empanada, which was one of the best fast food items ever. I really wish they would bring it back. And while I'm asking for cinnamon things to be brought back, let me also tell Panera, the cinnamon crunch scone needs to return. You know, I used to look forward to that. I leave here. I go to DePaul's campus, which is in the Loop, in the South Loop. And there used to be a Panera right there on Ida B. Wells and State. And I park my car and I roll up. I get my cinnamon crunch scone and I'd be happy. And now the Panera's not there and even other Paneras don't have that anymore. So Taco Bell, bring back the caramel apple empanada and Panera... Bring back the cinnamon crunch scone. I have spoken. But yes, the Cinnabon Delighted Taco Bell, it's I'm a big fan of salty sweet. So if I'm I'm getting my Taco Bell on, I'm gonna need some sweet to go with it. And the Cinnabon Delight is perfect. Also, y'all, y'all be cheating us on the cinnamon, on the cinnamon twist. Apparently, I really like cinnamon. Like that's kind of what this this segment has turned into. Lawrence enjoys cinnamon. I agree with the cinnamon twist. By the way, that's another one of my. Those are one of my favorite sides of all time, right there. The cinnamon twist, man. And there could be more cinnamon. Yeah, and when you get a warm batch of cinnamon twist, man, like they fresh. Woo, that's living. Number three, Culver's cheese curds. I could have made an entire list of sides. Out of Culver's. Because I think they do onion rings right, and I'm a crinkle fry guy. 
By the way, since I'm out here lamenting stuff that's not on menus anymore, hey, Arby's, bring back the damn potato cakes already. I'm good with crinkle fries, but the potato cakes was where it was at. We need more potato cakes. But yes, Culver's, their whole side menu is outstanding. The cheese curds are great. I was late on the Culver's train. Like my my mom had talked about Culver's, and I was like, ah, Butterburger. I was super late on the Culver's train, partially because there wasn't anyone near me. I would have had to go out to the South Burbs or to the Western Burbs to get or to Wisconsin to get myself some Culver's. Don't sleep on the pretzel bites either. That's what I'm saying. Campy, they have a whole sides menu that could be a top five. Yep, and their spicy chicken sandwich fan. Like, I, I haven't had a bad item from there. I agree, and I think their burgers are top-notch. Shout-out to Culver's. It's worth the wait. I'll put the sticker on my window. I don't care. But the cheese curds from Culver's, money in the bank. Number two. You really thought that I was going to do this whole segment? And not talk about red beans and rice from Popeye's. This is also a, a vegan and vegetarian dish, right, Ray? As far as I know. And I, <laughs> and they don't have any chicken up in there, so I'm fine with it. Okay, good. So, yes, I totally agree with this this choice, Lawrence. There was part Man. of me that wanted to just take Popeye's biscuits and make it number one. But I went with the red beans and rice. Like, that's a, that's a good meal. Like, obviously... There's a bunch of cultures where beans and rice like go together. And pretty much there there isn't a bad option. And whatever whatever sit down you're at, if they have a combination of beans and rice, probably a good thing. But the red beans and rice, I usually go with a small and then I regret ordering a small. Like that's how good the red beans and rice and Popeyes are. That's my number two. Number one. Come on, fam. The goat. McDonald's fries. Come on. Like, there's... And here's the thing about McDonald's fries. And this might make me a little different than everyone else. I don't want them right out of the fryer. I want them a few minutes away from having been in the fryer. And McDonald's fries are so good that even if they're room temperature... They're good. Now, I know that that's partially because, like, I think they they ship them in sugar. Like, I think, I believe that's, like, part of the reason why they're so addictive is that they, they freeze them in sugar. I don't care. I want all of them. I want all of the fries that you can give me from McDonald's. I will go, since I was a little kid, my parents will back me up on this. I'm a person who enjoys fries with my pizza. We would literally have to stop. At McDonald's, like if we went and got pizza from where somewhere, we'd have to stop at McDonald's to get me an order of fries. It's the goat, and it's the goat for a reason. Some of y'all are listening to the sound of my voice right now. You're like, you know what? He's right. I'm gonna have to turn in to, to, to McDonald's right now and get me some fries. And while I'm handing out suggestions for all our fast food brothers and sisters, hey McDonald's, I'm gonna need all day breakfast to be back soon come on man i get it like things change the world changed but you need to bring all day breakfast back 
I enjoy on the day when I have a short show, I can be like, it's McGriddle time at 1230 in the afternoon. So bring that back. So my list again, Brown's Mushrooms, Cinnabon Delights from Taco Bell, Culver's Cheese Curds, Popeye's Red Beans and Rice, and McDonald's Fries. That's my top five list. You don't like my list? Make your own damn list. Rick Hahn, you'll hear from the White Sox general manager on injuries and where things stand with this team as they get ready to open up the home schedule. We'll do that next here on The Score. Lawrence Holmes, noon to two on Sports Radio 670 The Score in Odyssey Station. Just throwing the ball so well, I had a big off the fit. just came out, he just felt a little tug in there, so didn't want to take any chances. Tony LaRusa talking about Lucas Giolito, who's supposed to be playing catch soon, and that's a good thing. I Hopefully he'll be fine. He has been placed on the 10-day IL retroactive to his start on opening day. The White Sox will open up at home this afternoon. Rick Hahn, their general manager, talked with the media, and he started talking about what is one of the prevailing issues with the White Sox, their injuries. I think we knew, just like just about every team in baseball, that we were going to be tested at some point from a depth and health standpoint. Uh, We're obviously dealing with an extremely unique situation throughout the league with the lack of contact with our players for over three months this offseason and then the uh, very shortened spring training to get us going. So we're getting tested early. Certainly thrilled with the way the players have responded to it so far offensively. Guys have been doing their part to help carry the load at the, the the added burden has been put on the pitching side of things. So hopefully that continues. Tony told us uh, in Detroit the optimistic outlook was that Lucas would maybe only uh, miss a couple of starts. Yeah. Uh, what is the, the current outlook uh, for him after putting him on the eye? I mean, again, it's it's still early in this process. Uh, I, and I think we all remain cautiously optimistic that he'll miss two starts. Uh, he's progressing nicely. Uh, quite frankly, at this point, it's probably a little bit more about reining him back and keeping him on a a prudent ramp back up, uh, realizing that we want him strong for the next you know six seven months here, uh, not just for next week in Cleveland, let's say. Uh, but yeah, right now everything's pr- progressing in a positive way, and I think that we can stick with that two-start estimate right he, now. he keeps describing it as a weird thing that it doesn't happen weird. to baseball yeah, players. Yeah, can it's, you it's, shed some light on what it is? Well, I have a lot of degrees, uh, none of which are medically based, <laughs> but um, it's essentially an ab strain that isn't an oblique and isn't hernia-related is the best way I can describe it. I think each of those other two people would understand a little bit more in baseball, obviously with the torque involved. Uh, you want me to grab that? Uh, with the torque involved in baseball, that's a little more common of an injury. Uh, and obviously, sports hernias are something that occur throughout the game. This is something more that he feels on extension and more when he's going back to front. Uh, is what it is. Small, small ab strain, and we're treating it up and getting him back going. Rick, with so the, are you concerned that it can be reoccurring? Uh, not particularly, no. I, I, we need to heal it up. It needs to be 100%. It's not. It, it's actually treated very similar to an oblique, uh, you know, what Moncada is dealing with right now. And that is once a player is asymptomatic and you slowly ramp up their activity level as long as they don't feel it anymore, it's over and it's behind them. It's no, not a concern that it's a chronic issue. You just need to make sure you knock it out properly before you put too much on the plate. Rick, you brought in one new starter, in, in, starter type pitching, Vince. Um, and he's only had a few weeks, but he, he's, it sounds like he's, he's, he's still 
dived into it with Ethan Katz pretty well. What are you hoping? Any adjustment? You know, yeah, to, to that, and that's we talk about it from a health standpoint, but that's also something that's was missed out on this offseason. It would have been nice to have Vince with Ethan over the course of the entire winter to work on some of these things as opposed to it being a little bit of a crash course, which is what it's been over the last three to four weeks that he's been with us. Uh, Fortunately, he's a veteran, and he's a guy who has been very open-minded to some of the adjustments that uh, Ethan is recommending, and he's just going to have to learn to do it on the fly at the big league level. Not ideal, but again, all 30 of us are dealing with this. It's, It's beats the alternative and we feel we feel awfully good about where we stand as a as a full roster even even with the nine guys on the il uh the depth of this organization is is being tested but we feel pretty darn good about them being up to the challenge that's a really interesting description of lucas's injury like i i hope and rick does have what what a MBA in a law degree. None of those are medical, as he said, as he joked. I hope that what he's saying is true. That would that would be really good if once Lucas heals up from this, he's good to go and won't have to worry about it. I do understand anyone that looks at the changes in Lucas's body and says, oh, he bulked up. Maybe he's a little tighter overall, and that's what ended up getting him partially getting him injured. I don't know if anyone can know that. And now that Lucas has his new body, like he'll have to navigate what are the things that were positives from the weight gain and muscle gain, and what are things that he will regret if he regrets anything. He might not regret it. It might be the way that his body should be shaped. When I was talking to folks about his injury and injuries overall on Twitter, I was saying that a lot of us, even pro athletes, you'd be surprised at how bad our lifting form is. And while we might get some results from it, what it may do to our body's otherwise could end up causing problems for us. And I know that there have been some guys who have historically not been weight guys. Like Ichiro was a guy that was about movement. So like if you're watching video of Ichiro playing right field, and I'm if you're on Twitch, you can see me doing like he's always like moving. And body weight was a thing for him. Like him using his own body as a a way to to put some weight on like building strength through body weight and movement and being stretchy and bendy and and windy i wonder about this and i've talked to some people around baseball they're like you know guys are guys are out here getting yoked and is that really the best type of body for a baseball player some guys have it naturally too. Like Jason Hayward is an Adonis. Like some of that is just natural. But some of these guys are getting the heavy weights out and and putting on some bulk. And does that limit their flexibility? These are questions that I have. Um, I'm looking forward to opening day. I'm planning on getting a snack and 
and watching opening day over on the south side, I am reluctant to give the Blackhawks as an organization any praise because of the things that have happened this year and beyond and the ways that they've handled it. But their game tonight is LGBTQ night over at the United Center, and I am happy that they are doing that and some of the things that they're going to have on LGBTQIA plus community night is they're going to have the Chicago gay men's chorus sing, which is awesome. There's also going to be, I believe like a rainbow type sweater that the players are going to warm up in, which is kind of dope. I would like one of those if they're giving those away. There's a, a pride shirt that's going to be given away at the UC tonight. Brought to you by BMO Harris, so that's good. I really feel like this is a good thing, and I, I know that there have been a lot of Blackhawks players over the years that have been friends to that community. My friend Brent Sopel has been one of those people, was in the parade, in the Pride Parade with the Cup a few years ago, so that's good. I think that this is a very, very good thing, and they should be commended on that. Hopefully it goes well and it'll be a lot of fun. And there's a lot of great pictures and a lot of fans that feel like hockey is for them too, which is the goal. Parkins and Spiegel are coming up next. You will hear their show as they preview the White Sox opening day over on the South Side. Big thanks to Ray Diaz, my EP, with a wonderful job. I hope you enjoy Top 5. I enjoy bringing it to you. I will see you tomorrow at noon. Have a wonderful, wonderful opening day on the South Side. And Good luck to the Cubs out in Pittsburgh, too. See you tomorrow at noon.